first thing I would do would be looking at who has a list of the people who I want to have as clients. And then I would start building a strategic relationship with those people and building a, a quite a large list of them myself. An easy way to do is, that is go like go onto LinkedIn. Who, who's everyone in the industry that I would like to be connected with and making a list of those people and then systematically approaching each and every one of those people on that list. Welcome to the More Clients, Less Effort podcast, where we provide expert insights and strategies to turbocharge your business growth. I'm your host, Tim Hyde. And in this series, we'll unpack the secrets, proven systems, and the sales and marketing strategies used by successful business owners to attract, convert, and keep A-class clients on autopilot. Whether you're a seasoned entrepreneur looking to scale your customer acquisition or a budding startup owner looking to crack the code on attracting the right clients, you've come to the right place. Join us on this journey to building a thriving business that leaves a lasting impact. Now let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of More Clients, Less Effort. Today, I'm absolutely privileged to be joined by a legend in the outbound marketing space, Crystal Benson. Crystal, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Tim. Now, Crystal, you may not have heard of before, but you absolutely will soon because I know Crystal's writing a book, which you'll need to get in due course. But Crystal is an ex-real estate agent. We actually have all sorts of people on this show. But one of the things I really love about your journey, Crystal, is you started as a a real estate agent, quite an ambitious one in your early 20s, managed to build a seven-figure real estate agency that I don't want to sell real estate anymore, transitioned to a buyer's agent, did it again, all right, built a seven-figure buyer's agency, let me move back to the country with my roosters, and now you're doing it again as a marketing agency around the Go High Level platform, but all based on outbound marketing. So I'm really interested in your journey, A, why real estate to start with, why give up a very successful business to start it again. And then once you've got that one to then start it yet again, and and what have we learned along the way? So let's go back to your early 20s. What is it about real estate that attracts you? Oh, well, I got into real estate because as a young, like a teenager and, and even younger, I used to sell like farm animals and horses and things like this for like quote unquote pocket money. And I got into it and I was selling these horses five to $10,000 sometimes. And so I was getting quite large ticket you know, paychecks. So I kind of got used to that. And it's then been different I, from what most people start as a teenager and they go, my first job is delivering pizzas or... <laughs> yeah. My first thing is I used to I used to breed guinea pigs and sell them to the pet shops and things. And then, yeah. So I got into the, like I got my first job and like a, a horse stud, for example. And I just thought like, the, like they gave me a $55,000 a year salary. And I was like, well, this is for the whole year. Like that didn't really sit well with me. So... I tried to work out like what were the people around me that I could see in my town doing that was like what were the ones that were rich really doing and they were the builders in the town. So I started to look into that a little bit more and worked out that they were doing development. So when I did like a Mark Rolton course like through Massland and long story short, noticed that the real estate agents were really a bit lazy and I sort of got into real estate as a way to sort of prove that you can become a million dollar agent in under 12 months if you just put your, your mind to it. I ended up writing a million dollars in commission in only nine months back in Newcastle back in the day, which is a fairly big achievement when prices are about 350000 uh, 350, So you have to sell all the houses to get to that to that mark. So that's, that's how I essentially got into, into real estate. What is it, do you think, for you, because we talk to all sorts of people, right? and particularly young people, I'd say these days, I'm going to massively stereotype young people. I can do that because I've got a 17-year-old <laughs> teenager who's 
Which, when I, I saw his screen time the other day, it was like 40 hours of PlayStation. Oh my God. Just imagine if you put 40 hours into something else. What is it do you think separated you from maybe your peers going, I'm I'm ambitious. I'm going to build this million dollar commission check in, in nine months because when that in itself is a pretty massive achievement when you're yeah. kind of like, most people would go 55 grand as a, as a teenager. Yeah, giddy up. You know, this is more money than God. Yeah. For you, what do you think set you apart from everyone else and your peers to go, this is not enough for me? I guess I just felt like I wanted to do more with my life. But when I, like, when I sort of look at my peers back then, yeah, I guess I just had bigger goals. Like I wanted, I didn't, I didn't want to settle. I didn't want to have that sort of mum and dad sort of life, I suppose. Like that strained dream kind of lifestyle. I wanted more. I wanted to be able to travel and I wanted to be able to, to buy nice things and, and things like that. So what was that influence for you? If you grew up on a farm, your parents have this yeah. style. What is it that says, not for me? Honestly, I don't know where it came from. It's just always sort of been there. There wasn't really an outside influence, I guess. Maybe the sort of movies I maybe grew up watching. I don't know. But yeah, it's just always sort of, I just knew I wanted more, even from a young age. My parents used to try and try and give me $5 for pocket money to do chores. I ended up drawing up a commission chart. Like I'll do $5 for the vacuuming. $3 per shirt if you want me to do the ironing, $10 to mow the lawn, things like that. So I've always sort of been driven in that sense. But yeah, in terms of one single point that sort of stands out to me to what drove me to that, I, I couldn't really pin it down to one thing. But yeah, just something inside me knew that I wanted more from life. It's interesting to see that. I think we see that in entrepreneurs a lot, right? It's not just the fact that you may have had a Kevin Bacon footloose poster on your wall to <laughs> say, I am going to be the rebel and not do the not do things you know, the way everyone else does does them. For me, it was my Uncle Scrooge golden book that I read as a sort of five or six-year-old. Yeah. This idea of rowing my boat around a, a pit full of money it just seemed really awesome. But you're right, it's, it's something that just says, I'm not content. Uh, yeah. And sometimes we can't necessarily pin it down to one thing, but it's just this thing that kind of keeps coming back and driving us to achieve whether people would settle. Exactly. Yeah. What was it for you that you've gone, you've achieved by any stretch of the imagination, signing a million dollars in commissions in, in, in nine months would be considered a success almost in any industry. Mm. What was it about you that gets you go, well, I'm here now and, and presumably doing this in successive years as a, as a 20 year old. What, what was it about that, that you thought, okay, I now need to throw it all away and do it again? Well, I actually went on a holiday. So the directors of the company sent me on a, a forced holiday that I, like the, the company was a real estate agent because uh, I was working seven days a week and I did that for almost nine months. I was very dedicated. I was prospecting every day. That's how I got to where I was. Uh, however, they didn't want me to burn out. So I went to a five-week holiday to South America and ended up hiking the Inca Trail and going deep into the Amazon jungle. And I feel like I might've had like a bit of a spiritual awakening, I guess, because when I came back, I came back a little bit of a hippie and just decided that I wasn't happy doing real estate like as a real estate agent. I just wanted to help people more, find more financial freedom in their life. So I just threw in the towel and started a business from scratch and off I went and did it all over again. Switch, switch to the other team, obviously proving yourself. How long did it take to do it the second time? And what did you take from your first experience working in a, more, in a company that has an established brand to trying that on your own team? Obviously, the strategy worked. But what was the difference between doing it under an established business and doing it yourself? You really have to focus on building relationships with key people in the industry. Uh, when I say key people, I mean like mortgage brokers or people who could have a list of your potential clients. So that's what I found was the fastest way to success in the buyer's agency was really working and, and finding good networks of people so you can get your, the word of your brand out there a lot quicker. 
Yeah, I think that's a really key key thing that, that people miss. I, I don't know if you've seen the program or, or any of our listeners have as well, but uh, there's a program in the US that we can see, catch in Australia on, on YouTube called Undercover Billionaire. Yes, with Grant Cardone. Yeah. We've seen the Grant Cardone one because Grant is a master at self-promotion. But season one was Glenn Stearns. Season two, they've done a couple of people, including Grant Cardone. And I've watched a few of these episodes now, right? and it usually sort of airs over about five, six hours. But the premise of this particular show is that billionaires, who by all measures have been pretty successful at what they do, are given $100, a busted up old car, and a kind of a town to go and make a, I think it's a million dollars, a million dollar business within 90 days. Right? And the premise is, you know, can we, can someone starting with absolutely nothing make a million dollar business in within ninety days? Now you might think for a billionaire it's pretty easy, right? They know what they're doing. They've got a rolodex full of people they can just call and get investment. But the the challenge in this particular show is that they are not allowed to use their own name or call any of their contacts. And I think the commonality of what you just said with your strategy and what they've all done is they all go, who is the connection and relationship that I need to make, right? to open doors for me. And as a and I think as certainly Australian businesses, but I know US as well, we kind of think we need to do everything alone, not look at how do we collaborate and partner with people where there's a win-win relationship, right? But stand on the shoulders of giants if if you will. Yeah. I would definitely second that. Starting out all over again, the first thing I would do would be looking at who has a list of the people who I want to have as clients. And then I would start building a strategic relationship with those people and building a, a quite a large list of them myself. An easy way to do is, that is go like go into LinkedIn. Who who's everyone in the industry that I would like to be connected with, and making a list of those people, and then systematically approaching each and every one of those like those people on that list. Yeah, well, so Chet Holmes talks about it, right? His Dream One Hundred strategy. Yeah, I think Russell Brunson's sort of talked extensively about this this Dream One Hundred strategy as well. It's like it's not who are your Dream One Hundred clients, which is great. Okay, that's part of the puzzle. We'd all love to have a hundred A-class clients tomorrow. Exactly. But if we find a hundred people who have all of our client, right, who are open to collaborating, this, this rapid growth that you experience in your businesses is it's actually much easier to achieve than we give it credit for, don't we? I would agree. Yep. Makes it much easier. Okay. We talked about the outbound. Let's pivot here because I know this is a strategy you've used previously with very with great success. How do you use outbound? What is outbound? And, and how can someone listening to this show go, this is a thing that I want to try? Yeah, so Outbound is just like not waiting for the, the lead to come to you, but actually going out and approaching them instead. So like I was saying before, it's just about finding a list of people who you'd like to do business with and start approaching them. So back when I was in real estate, that meant door knocking because it was B2C. I had to try and find someone to sell their house, right? So I would door knock and if it was raining, I would cold call. <laughs> so I'd do that every day, no matter how many sales I had for the month, no matter how successful I was, I always penciled time into my calendar every day to knock on as many doors as I could. That's that's the first thing. And then you move into, when you move into like B2B business, like what I'm doing now, that could look like uh, prospecting through LinkedIn, doing cold email, through social media, doing direct mail, which still works surprisingly. Yeah. Lumpy mails. Because everything else that turns up in your letterbox is a is a windowed envelope with a bill or a bank statement. Yes. <laughs> or a little, and get creative a with Yeah, get sense. creative with that as well. Like send them out like a something. I seen another lady, she wrote a book and inside her book, she did a puzzle of one of the things that she has within her business. So when you open mm. the book, it all falls out and then you're compelled to want to put this puzzle back together, right? So you're never going to forget her brand because you're, the puzzle and the book you're probably going to keep because it was a great memory, great experience. Yeah, see. 
we're so you're right though. I think there's two 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 things that come out for me in that is a we've got to get more comfortable with interrupting people. Yes, it's it's wonderful to think that all of your best prospects, if you sit there in the middle of your web and you throw out a bit of social media content, that everyone will flock to you. Which I liken to going fishing with an esky or a cooler if you're in the US, right? Putting that cooler on the side of the the your pond full of fish. Hopefully, it's the right pond that has the right fish in it taking out your deck chair and sitting there and hoping that your dinner will leap into your esky, right, for you to take home for dinner. Yeah, And accurate. the reality is it doesn't work like that. We actually have to put a line in the water in, in order to catch the fish we want for dinner, right? And so that's the first thing. I think that outbound, we, we do need a mix of inbound and outbound strategies, but outbound's possibly an underrated thing, but we do have to just get more comfortable with interrupting people and actually asking the question, don't we? Yeah, and I think having a little bit of resilience, like if, how I looked at it when I was door knocking, I knew that within like one in 10 people were going to say yes to me. I got my numbers so like broken down that I knew when I knocked on a door and they said no, I'm like, all right, I'm now nine no's closer to a yes or eight no's closer to a yes. So having resilience when you're doing your prospecting, like you're going to get a lot of no's. So knowing that it's a it's a numbers game and you're just going to have to be persistent. And the more you do it, you're going to hit a compounding point where all of those people that said no to you maybe 60, 30, 90 days ago, not 30, 60, 90 days ago, they're going to come back and say yes eventually. So you're building a database, you're building a list of people over time that you're going to begin to nurture and it's going to hit a boiling point where all the results are going to start to come in. But I find a lot of people I speak to, they give up like that saying they gave up three feet before gold. So they give up right before it all starts becoming effective for them. So. It is a very hard skill to learn, though, that resilience about it saying, if I ask. And as, as human beings, right, we're conditioned to, to seek social acceptance. We're conditioned to avoid environments where people say no to us and reject us all the time. That's, you know, it's, it's, it's against the human condition. But in business, we can't be like that, right? We've got to practice this no. One of my favorites is to actually ask for discounts at the supermarket. Right. That's a great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit harder now that everything's still self serve, but when you go to the, go to the cash register and ask at a discount on your packet of sausage rolls or bread and milk, the natural answer is no. When they look at you very strangely, but it does start to build that resilience up. I think that we become better at asking for things, and if we don't ask for them, we don't get them. And I really yeah. love that 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 approach about saying, if I know that for every ten people ask, one person will say yes. It's not like I'm getting nine rejections. What I'm, what I'm doing is just getting closer to that yes. Yeah. And I always yeah. used to say, when people say no to you, it's it's a great way to reframe it. Like I understand, I used to say to people who I, like when I'd come and cold call or door knock, like I understand you you may not be looking to sell right now. And then I'd step back and then I'd be like, but anyone else that might be thinking of selling. And so now their guard is down because it's not about selling them. Because when, when a real estate agent comes to their door, their guard is up. So when you, when you, you let, yeah, you get them to let their guard down and all of a sudden, like, and then now they're giving you referrals, right? So it's a great opportunity. So just because someone says no, doesn't mean they may not, they may know someone who is a potential client of yours. So if someone says, no, I don't, I'm not ready to take on your service. Okay. Which someone who might be. So it's, a, I look at every opportunity, not only as a no, but a, a chance to get a referral. Yeah. But I think you're right though. It is about being open-minded, but having a structure and system yeah. around that. I mean, most, again, most people would take no as, as just the thing. I recall when I first moved to my current house, my son went missing one day. Yeah, not good. A quality parenting moment. And that because <laughs> my wife came home and said, where's our son? And I'm like, I think he's in the house somewhere. 
but he'd been out he'd been doing out doing exactly what you were doing but this case as a seven-year-old right door knocking doing stuff that as adults we find it very very difficult to do turns out that he'd seen an rspca and was trying to raise money by selling loom bands door to door but same thing he went out the first day by himself and tried to sell these little rubber band bracelets to to raise money and i said to him well next time you go out get this person's name that you're talking to and then when you knock on the next door neighbor's house, you can say, hey, Crystal next door said that you might like to buy one of these. Yes. Right? yeah. And you sort of start building this momentum, but you're, you're very right there, right? It's about building momentum. You've introduced this idea into someone's mind and no just means not right now, not no, never. Exactly. And we do need to recognize that, that your prospects have different priorities than you. In this case, your priority was to sell the house. Their priority is to take the bins out tonight. Yeah, that's right. Do the shopping or pick their kids up from school or something else. It doesn't mean they're not interested. It just means that right at this point that you're asking is not the right time. Okay. In the same way that getting your kids to clean their bedroom, not their priority. (laughs) Tell me how you apply, now that you're in the marketing space, tell me how you apply this system to your marketing. Yeah. So if I if I look at how I bought real estate over into this business. When I was in real estate, I used to really track where all my leads were coming from. So I would have leads coming from door knocking, from just sold, from wherever, right? So now now look at my cold outreach through my current business. I want to get X, Y, like amount of sales through each channel that I'm doing cold outreach through. So if I'm doing cold outreach through LinkedIn, cold email, Facebook, you know, letter drops, things like that, how many clients am I expecting to get that month? And is that on track? So being able to really, what I learned as a real estate agent was having, uh, know your numbers is something that they all preach about, like know your numbers, know your numbers. And I guess bringing that over into business, know your numbers, how many how many people have you spoken to today? How many people should I be speaking to each day in order to get to the amount of sales I need for the month? Yeah, I think that's that, that's critical, right? Know your numbers. And if you've got a system around that, right? so if you're doing 100 outreaches, I should get 10. If I'm not at 100, I'm not going to get that number. Uh, yeah. So find myself short this week. Well, maybe I need to refocus on that. One of my favorite systems around this is actually just to use post-it notes. Right? Yep. You know, if you yep. want 10 clients for the month to hit your target, get a bunch of post-it notes out and write 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, stick them on a wall, and that will drive you because every time you get a client, peel off that sticker, then the next sticker, then the next sticker, then the next sticker, and it'll give you a bit of a countdown and momentum. But it really starts to focus you on what you should be doing to drive your business, doesn't it? It does. And at any point in the month, you can see if you're on track or off track instead of waiting to get to the end and realize you're like five sales behind for the month and you got no way of catching up. But if by the 5th of uh, September, you should be on three sales and you're not, you can actually quickly see what channels are lacking, which ones are falling behind, and you can adjust accordingly early in the piece so that your business never falls behind in revenue. And then if you if the marketing's off, like sorry, like the messaging, not the market, like the outbound messages are off, you can adjust them at that point rather than waiting to the end and realizing that hasn't been converting this whole time. Yeah. And and so critical. If you want it's just a machine, isn't it? We can we can drive the outcomes we want if we yeah. work on the numbers as well. Exactly. It was just like in, in inbound marketing, when you focus on analytics, you need to have an analytics for outbound as well. So it's just yeah, creating the analytics for your outbound marketing and and really honing in on where you should be on each day of the month. Yeah, awesome. Crystal, we'll finish up now with a bit of a quick fire. What's your favorite productivity hack for entrepreneurs? Favorite productivity hack? I'd have to steal this one from John Logar, and that's doing the the time boxing of a morning. It's just taking five minutes in the morning to really write down three things that 
a critical for the business every more like for that day and then penciling those into the calendar putting those in the calendar so you're actually putting aside some time to get those th- three things done uh, i found that that is the best ways I've, I've seen to actually take the business a step forward every day because even if you just do one out of three it's those are three critical critical things for the business that are really shifted shifted yeah, even one write down three even if you only do one every single day you'll you will find momentum oh yeah yeah it's been a real game changer What's the differences between you and your competitors? I guess I have, um, I'm intense. I'm very passionate about what I do. And I guess that comes across in the results that I get from my clients. Like I'm I'm very passionate about what I do. And I guess I'm just not expecting okay results. I do expect outstanding results for, for all my clients, just like what I do in my own business. Yeah, that's right. A curly one for you. How do you balance this intensity and work ethic with having a young family? I have, that's a great question. I have the same intensity towards her. So we have, we have lots of playtime and because I work from home and I run everything remote, I'm able to blend that both together and, and doing the same thing. Like I said, with the time boxing, it's really just penciling in time and making sure that I am spending time with my daughter every single day as well. and being able to balance that work life. And every afternoon we have time to go outside and do things that she loves in the morning before work begins. There's always time for her. So yeah. making sure that it's always balanced. It's, it's, it's definitely a, a, a sense of being intensely present in the activity that you're doing. You, you nailed it. Yes. Yeah. Being, being present and, and, pushing every, like if I'm working, I'm working. If I'm with my daughter, I'm with my daughter. There's not, nothing sort of blends into the other. Yeah. Having focus and presence. What's one initiative on your whiteboard that was not there 30 days ago? I'd have to say that would be my book. So I've started writing a book from cold to sold. Um, and it's really about strategies to take cold prospects through to hot leads and then into, into sales becoming clients. Yeah. Not an easy undertaking. No, especially when you got an 18. <laughs> which has been going on for three years now. And then I'm oh, like, goodness. Yeah, I might change that whole chapter up. Chrissy, lastly, where can we find you online? Uh, booksolidb2b.com. Awesome. Thanks very much for joining us. And some absolute gold nuggets there today, guys. You can clearly see that Crystal's a, a master at what she does. And not least of which is that time boxing and intensity of focus. And as she mentioned, just get real comfortable interrupting people. Yes. Right. And you'll see some differences. Crystal, thanks for joining us and thanks for sharing your experience and knowledge. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. And guys, thanks again for joining us on today's episode of More Clients Less Effort. If you've enjoyed today, click the three dots at the top of your phone, like, follow, share, give us a review, give us a shout out, and we'll see you on the next episode real soon. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of More Clients Less Effort. Join us next time for another insightful discussion filled with actionable advice and inspiring stories, all geared towards helping you grow and scale your business simply and easily. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app so you never miss an episode. See you next time.